Welcome to Becoming Unstuck, a safe place to help individuals find the tools they need to live the life they truly want. I'm your host, Jordan Meyer, registered psychotherapist and mental health counselor. Join me here each week where we'll learn one tool that you can use to help you become the person you've always wanted to be and live each day with more happiness. On today's episode, we're talking about boundaries. Boundaries are a really popular topic nowadays, and as we talk about boundaries, it always comes into mind of, of what boundaries are, uh, being assertive, asking for needs to be met, and boundaries are really important in our life, and I think more so we talk about boundaries in a way that tends to come across as being forceful and overly assertive, that often we pendulum back and forth between when you go through life boundaryless that you then have to pendulum over and become really strong and forceful and assertive in what that looks like. And that's not always the case. If we can understand what boundaries are and how to use them, in turn, our lives have a lot more balance to them and we're able to do things with a lot more ease and comfort, which allows the joy to enter into our lives. And to do that, I want to read a representation of what a life without boundaries can look like, kind of to set up for us to get an understanding. So early in the morning, an alarm rings and an individual shuts off the, the noisy machine. As she sits up in bed, she's immediately flooded with everything that has to be done from the day. She's immediately brought into mind a conversation she had with her son's third grade teacher. And the phone call rings in her head about the meeting this afternoon she has to have with her son's teacher about his performance and behavior in school. She thinks to herself, dreading this meeting, knowing that she has a strong-willed child and that he doesn't even listen to her or her husband. She's not looking forward to this meeting, and and she also doesn't want to squash her son's spirit. And, And what's more important? As she sits in the shower, she can't be more than overwhelmed by everything that has to happen through the day, and her mind slowly gets lost in consuming in the things of ticking off the checklist that has to happen through the day. Between her husband's schedule, kids' schedule, homework, and busy time with her mother, who's now been a widow for a number of years and often uses that as a martyrdom status of how life has been incredibly hard since the passing of her father. She often becomes easily overwhelmed by all these thoughts. As she returns to the present, she thinks to herself, there's no use in crying over lost time and I have to get moving. As she goes in to get dressed, her favorite suit that she wears to work has become too tight, similar to other clothes, and she wonders to herself, has middle age become too quick and too difficult for her? The next hour is the usual disaster of wrangling kids, getting them out of bed, and getting them down for breakfast in the morning to be on time to school. Miraculously, the kids somehow made it to their ride for school, and her husband left for work. As she leaves, she takes a deep breath on her way to work and wonders, please, something go well this day. I just need one thing to happen to let me know that today is going to be okay. Rushing into work, where she works, She glances at her watch, is it only a few minutes late? By now, her colleagues must understand that being late was a part of her life, and they could not expect her to be on time. As normal, she was wrong. They started a weekly meeting without her. As she tried to tiptoe into the meeting without being noticed, she noticed every eye on her struggling to get back to her seat. The rest of the morning proceeded not too bad. Uh, a talented worker in her right and having a good eye for marketing. She was really good at what she did. 
The only hitch in her life came just before her lunch break. When the phone rang and an old friend from high school calls her, and she goes, Oh, you're, I'm so glad you're here. I can't believe I caught you before lunch. I have to talk to you. There was no mistaking the voice, so she knew it from a friend from school, that as they have grown up together, she has become increasingly resentful and difficult to talk to. A high-strung woman, very anxious and always in crisis. As she picks up the phone and offers a kind gesture and thinks to herself, I only have a short amount of time for my lunch break that I could really use with how today has started. Wanting to be there for her friend and hearing her friend continue on about the troubles and crises of her life and being a good person who wants to help others, she thinks to herself, please give me the strength to be able to get through this conversation without blowing my top. As she refers to her friend and asks what's going on, her friend's response to her, it's, it's, it's horrible, it's just terrible, you will not believe what happened to me. As she walks through the events of her day, she thinks to herself, well, what you're telling me is every day of my life. When do I get somebody to listen to what's going on for me? As she wants to say this out loud, she thinks to herself, be a good person, respond nicely, and cover up your own. And in doing so, she responds very kindly, Wow, I'm sorry, that must be hard for you. Spending a majority of her lunch break talking to her friend and consoling her with what's going on in her life, she realizes she doesn't have enough time to take a full lunch, so she quickly drives to a fast food establishment and grabs something to eat. As she's waiting in line for her order, she thinks to herself, of all my listening and consoling and advice that I've given to my friends over the years, you would think that it would be worth something, that it would offer some sort of change. But as she continues to do so in many areas of her life, she thinks to herself, nah, that can't be true, and just go on doing what you're doing. As the afternoon passes and she comes to the end of her workday, as she's walking out to her car, she is greeted by her boss. A young individual, very charismatic and good-looking, who was very successful and often get things done. Trouble was, is that he used other people to make things happen. She could sense that for the hundredth time, the same song was coming. As he opens his mouth, he says, Listen, there's a big time crunch, and there's something that has to get done. I'm not able to do it, and I'm going to need you to do that for me by tomorrow. You think you can do that? As she thinks to herself, understanding everything that is going on in her life, she understands that she really doesn't have time to take on this project, nor is it her responsibility to take on this project, but in fact it is her boss's responsibility and he should be the one doing it. And for the hundredth time, she realizes that he is trying to pass off his responsibilities to her in order to make life easier for him. Despite the fact that she knows this, she thinks to herself that if she doesn't say yes, that she won't be able to get anywhere in her work and will be viewed as a selfless person. So she resentfully says, yes, I will take that on. She begins to panic in her drive home, understanding that she just said yes to something that she really wanted to say no to and can't understand for the life of why she continues to say yes in situations that she understands are going to be too much and she really doesn't have time for. She also knows that what she just said to is inevitably as same as the other projects before going to be very time consuming and will most likely require the rest of the night in which she's going to have to give up sleep in order to do to make someone happy. Just for a moment she thinks to herself, where does this man get off thinking that he can ask me to do something last minute when it's his responsibility? 
She immediately puts that in check and thinks that having the emotional reaction and the anger that comes up is somehow inappropriate or ineffective, and therefore she continues to shove it down and goes to her also reliable answer, I'm going to be a nice person and I'll do what I can. As she races over to attend the meeting with the teacher and her son that she had remembered earlier in the day, she sits down with her son's teacher and begins to discuss and talk about why her son is having problems in the classroom. The teacher informs her and states that he's not a bad kid, and he believes that he is very bright and he is energetic. He's just having trouble obeying boundaries and rules within the class. He has a hard time listening, tends to wander off, and often does things opposite of what is being asked for him. As she thinks to herself, well, yeah, that's my son, and I don't want to squander or pester his energy and activity. She also thinks to herself an understanding of what's he saying. Is he saying that my son is a problem child and that he can't listen? My whole life is a problem. What else is new? As she composes herself and doesn't speak it out loud, but rather keeps it in her own head, she begins to wonder as well and take some of the information personally towards herself. As she begins to think about her son having behavioral problems in school, she turns it inward on herself and wonders, is he having problems because I'm a bad mom and I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing at home to help him learn and respect the rules? As she begins to continue and spiral in that thought, she can't help but feel as though she is a terrible mother and that she is failing her son, and in such, that failure is now resulting in his failure in being a good student in school. Unable to hold back the tears any longer, she bursts out in tears, weeping convulsively, unable to control herself. Eventually, in the crying subsides and she collects herself and begins to immediately apologize for the impulsive nature that just happened, feeling embarrassed by the response that she's had and also curious and very unaware of why it happened in the place that it did, other than knowing that it came out in a moment she least inspected. As she has a moment of vulnerability and openness, she begins to explain to the teacher that she also has problems at home with her son. He doesn't listen, doesn't obey her, and often tends to do things opposite to what she says. She can't help but hold back and confide in someone of the problems that she also tends to deal with at home, but often doesn't tell other people. As the teacher responds, he responds nicely and states, at least we now know the problem and we can put our heads together and find a solution. As she drives home from the meeting, she can't help but wonder and reevaluate her behavior, feeling guilty for what she just expressed. As she's driving home by herself, she thinks to herself, well, at least no one's touching me and I can be by myself in this moment. She takes the next few minutes to plan the next crisis that will most likely come up before the end of the night. Kids, homework, dinner, husband, problems at his work, church activities, the list goes on. Later that evening, as she is preparing dinner, she calls out for the children, and after four to five times of calling, she begins to be upset and frustrated that the children aren't listening. This frustration, combined with the pent-up energy throughout the day, results in a scream and a yelling fit that the children and her husband take a step back and often feel unaware that she responds the way that she did, being concerned that she seemed to be out of control with her emotions. As they sit down at the dinner table as a family, she is feeling guilty at her response that she just gave. Midway through dinner, she notices that the children are picking out their food and not really eating, as well as the extended long-term silences that seem to befall the dinner. 
She thinks to herself, this is the only time we have as a family to talk. Why isn't anybody talking? She is particularly drawn to her youngest daughter, picking at her food and sitting quietly with her head down at the table. She thinks to herself, what's going on in her life and why is it that I cannot connect to her? She has always been a reserved child, often enjoying reading and painting by herself and sitting in her room thinking about stuff. Oftentimes she will ask her daughter, what are you thinking about? And to which she responds, just stuff, but never really expands. She becomes increasingly concerned at not being able to understand what's going on in her daughter's life and her daughter not opening up about what really is going on. In turn, this continues to more thoughts about not being a good mom and feeling as though she cannot reach or connect to her kids. Halfway through dinner, the phone rings, and as she answers the phone, she can't help but realize the voice on the other end. It is the Relief Society president in her church, often who calls her in moments that she needs help or feels like she's in a bind and reaches out to others as she knows she is always one who is willing to help and often says yes last minute to things that need to be done. She reminded of the weekend activity that is coming up that someone else had been planning and the Relief Society president called her to let her know that the person who had been in charge of planning it had fallen through and something had come up last minute and they needed someone to replace her. Despite her knowledge about everything that had been going on in her life, and in that moment feeling incredibly overwhelmed that everything in her life seemed to be falling down around her, she can't help but say yes in order to help. She thinks to herself, in order to be a good Christ-like person and be willing to help, I have to be willing to serve. Continuing to shove down and force down the feelings of resentments and overwhelmment within her own life, she inevitably says yes despite knowing that she doesn't have the time nor the energy to provide and give what she needs. However, she does say yes and continues to move forward, often telling herself and seeming to collectively on a regular basis remind her that in order to be Christian and loving, she has to sacrifice herself for the betterment of others, despite knowing that she has nothing left to give. As dinner finishes up, she sees the rest of her family, leave the table immediately. Her husband goes and sits down and watches the football game while her son goes and plays with friends outside while her daughter then leaves and goes upstairs by herself to go read the same way she always does. Even though she had a long, tiring day and often overwhelmed and the result of fixing the meal for her family, she is left at the end having to clean up and put everything away despite knowing that every day seems to be the same repeated pattern. She begins to be frustrated and can't understand why nobody in the family seems to help, or at least even understand that help is needed afterwards. They just all leave and leave it to her, expecting her to finish and complete and clean up, even though she has gone through the process of making it in the first place. Years ago, she thinks to herself she would have been able to do it all. She could work all day, she could make the dinner and clean up and have no problems. She was super lady. But as she continues into adulthood, she finds herself increasingly more exhausted and tired as the days goes on and can't seem to understand why she didn't once have the excessive energy that she did early on in her marriage and as the kids were younger. As she lays down that night in bed, she can't help but be overwhelmed by the flood of thoughts that seem to enter her mind as she tries to go to sleep. She thinks about the kids, about work, about the areas where she begins overwhelmed, about feeling unappreciated and her mind is drawn to the relationship with her husband. Early on in their marriage, they seemed to be very connected and seemed to be a good fit for each other, often believing that they were a match from God. As the years went on, she began to notice that he 
did not result in emotional connectedness and often would leave her by herself and feeling as though that her needs are unmet. She thought to herself, God made us a team and I just have to love and work through his inability to connect or to see my needs on a daily basis. After all, that is kind of what marriages are, as she had learned previously from her parents and same in regard that her father often neglected and did not see the needs of her mother. She takes that in spite to herself and thinks that if she just works hard enough and she herself can put in more effort that maybe she can love him enough that he will continue and learn to see her signs and what she needs in her life. In that moment, she often thinks to herself as well that despite having all the love in the world, that through the years she had noticed that her husband had a temper from when they were first married. Often times she dismisses the temper as a, a circumstance and an environment that is beyond control, that as they grow up and he gets older, he'll grow out of it and not be so temperamental. Despite this, through the years of marriage, no change has such occurred. The once dual partnership has now turned into just her, often being solely responsible for the needs of the household and the family and the children, and in turn not being recognized. She often gives excuses for her husband's behavior, despite knowing full well that it is not alright, nor does she agree with it, but yet continues to tell herself that if she just loves him enough, or puts in more work on her side, that eventually he will change. Through the years of child-rearing and extensive relationships through life, she had realized that their once-kindled love had begun to erode through the years, and what was left was more of a commitment and more resentment building. As she thought to herself, she leaned over and asked to talk before going to bed. She moved closer and asked if they could discuss things within the relationship and in the family. However, receiving no response, he turned over and went to bed with no response to her. This was one more example in a long line of others that seemed to prove that her needs were not important and could not be met in the relationship. Lying in bed, she could not help but cry herself to sleep, thinking about all the areas of her life that seemed to be going wrong and seeing no way out of it, nor have an understanding of how it even got there in the first place. As tears run down her cheeks, she thinks of certain scripture and passages that seemed to comfort her in that moment, thinking that the marriage was blessed of God and at some point God had to give something in her life that would help her get through it. Thank you for listening. As always, if you'd enjoyed today's episode, please share with your friends and family and join me here next week. If you happen to live in the Utah Salt Lake area, please reach out for help if needed. You can find me on Instagram at jordanmeyer.cmhc. Follow me on Facebook. And remember, you can find this episode and future episodes on any podcast platform, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, and I will see y'all next week.